already between visitors and uh, people here uh, supporting uh, the gospel being spread there in Tyler. So let's, let's go to God in prayer, uh, just thanking him uh, for his word and just to pray for the time there in Tyler this morning as well. Dear Heavenly Father, as we come to you today, we just thank you that we can go anywhere and because of your Bible, we have your word. We can spread your love. We can serve people. Uh, we can tell them like James did today of the good news of why we have faith. And I pray for the service that will happen here in about an hour or so. That they have just a great time of worshiping you and illuminating you. That they would just, the fellowship will be rich. All those that are traveling out there, that you would give them uh, the traveling graces to make it out there. But I pray more than anything that people can experience more of you. The fellowship will be rich. Your word will be preached. And those uh, that will be there will respond. I thank you again uh, for being able to support your missions for around the world, but also here in the great state of Texas. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Well, if you're visiting with us today, we are in a series entitled Broken Christianity right now. Just a, a great focus on how important it is not to accept Christianity, how the flavor of American Christianity that we see sometimes, where Christ isn't Lord, he's just Savior, but instead to have that real, authentic Christianity where we're following Jesus and doing what Jesus has for us to do and living the life and being what Jesus has for us to be. David did a great job last week. Uh, our first entitlement was discerning reality. It has some great visuals and some, some great metaphors uh, with the movie Matrix to understand, okay, do you want the real things in life or do you want to just live this fake facade? And if you're here right now, it's because you want real life, amen. Yeah. It's because you want the authentic. You want the true reality which comes with Christ. One of the other things that I talked about in a 12 o'clock service, the, the best reality that we have to come and embrace is that sometimes my reality is not God's reality. Because his ways, it talks about in Isaiah 50 wise, his ways are so far and beyond our ways. Even our best ideas, right? So far beyond us. And so reality is whatever God says. Truth is whatever God says. And we're going to continue in this series with the entitled sermon, Finding Your Way. How many of you guys, as you was driving around the big metroplex of Dallas-Fort Worth this past week, did anybody get lost this week? No, you got any. We got a few. Were y'all together? Were y'all driving together? Okay. All right, well, we got one over here. You know, we got, we got another one. Everybody confessing. You're like, okay, I think Jesus see me right now, right? But, yeah, I got this little image right here about when you're lost, this little meme. Because sometimes we just don't want to ask directions. But you got this, this guy who's outside of earth now. He says, when you're lost but refuse to ask for direction, you can end up being in a place where you're like, okay, where am I? And some of you may feel that way this morning. Where am I? Where am I with my relationship with Jesus? Where am I with my relationship with God? 
Where am I with my relationship with the brothers and sisters in this room? Or even yet, do I have relationships that people that truly know me that can help give me direction in life? And with this title, Finding Your Way, we're going to focus on the story of Philip and the eunuch. Because one of the things that really jumped out at this story is just how pronounced God is uh, during this time, during this story. But also, just like the eunuch and somewhat what James was sharing, is that if we're showing up here today, the way to God is something that we want to know or want to stay on. So just like the eunuch, he... He traveled hundreds of miles to do what? To worship God. To worship. And he was a foreigner. So he didn't even get the the main seat where all the Jews were at. He had to worship God from the outer courts. But he still traveled hundreds of miles just because he knew God was the one that's worthy to be worshipped. If you guys could turn with me to Acts chapter 8. We're going to begin here. You guys with me? Acts chapter 8. And it's not going to be on the board here, so you got to have a real Bible this time. You got to have a real Bible, either with pages or ones and zeros on your phone. One of those things need to happen, okay? But as you guys are turning there, uh, Acts chapter 8, we'll start here in verse 26 uh, in a moment. But as we think about the concept of finding our way and the concept that God's ways is above our ways, let's humbly read and digest uh, this passage here. So Acts chapter 8, verse 26, it says, Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the, the desert road, that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out. On his way, he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to what? To worship. And on his way home was sitting in his chariot doing what? Reading the Bible as they knew it, the Old Testament, in the form of Isaiah the prophet. Verse 29, then the spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Let me give us a little bit of background here. So at this point, the the church had started. Jesus had died. They had a great persecution because Stephen was stoned there in Jerusalem. And now the, the word of God was being dispersed. And so you have Philip being a good disciple. He's walking alone, listening to the spirit of God. And the Spirit of God told him, hey, I want you to stay on this road between Jerusalem and Gaza, right? And that's Jerusalem, Gaza towards the southwest. So it's almost like, hey, I want you to stay on I-35, and I want you to be on the road from Dallas to San Antonio, per se. And I want you to just wait here and see what's going to happen. I know for me, especially in Dallas, I'm like, God, what else can I do besides stay on a hot road waiting for something to happen that I don't even know what's going to happen, right? How many of you guys can relate to the heat in Dallas? It's something else, right? And I'm pretty sure it was hot during this time 
as well for Philip, but he obeyed. He stayed. And what ended up happening? You got this chariot coming. And I don't know how, I mean, Philip ended up running close to the chariot, and he was able to hear what? This Ethiopian eunuch, this foreigner, not even a Jew, reading about God. And specifically, we're going to see exactly what he was reading about here in verse 30. So then it says, then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you understand what you are reading, Philip asked. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Verse 32, the eunuch was reading this passage of scripture. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter. And as a lamb before the shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. And this was taken from uh, the 53rd chapter of Isaiah. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me, please, who is this prophet talking about? Himself or someone else? Then Philip began, began with that very passage of scripture. And what did he do? He told him the good news about Jesus. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, look, here's water. Why shouldn't I be baptized? Stop the chariot. He gave orders. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water. And Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away. And the eunuch did not see him again. Was the eunuch sad? No. He's like, wait, the guy who studied the Bible with me, he's gone. The guy who, who explained the scriptures to me, he's gone. I, I remember times of people studying the Bible with me, studying the Bible with other people. And their faith is shaken when the person who opened the scriptures and shared the truth with them, when they leave, their faith is shaken. We can learn a quick lesson from the Ethiopian is what are we converted to? We're converted to Jesus. Jesus doesn't leave. Even though Philip left, and he, he left in a, a good reason, right? It's not like he went back to his, his previous life. But we learn a lesson from the eunuch is that we're converted to Jesus. And so when we're converted to Jesus, even when that person leaves, what do we do? What did he do? He went on rejoicing. I mean, he was like, man, finally, I've been reading this scripture for how long now? You know, maybe years now, decades, reading scripture and not understanding quite what it's saying. Coming every year back to Jerusalem to praise God from Ethiopia. And he finally got a taste of what all this Old Testament book was about. And he went on rejoicing. My first point this morning when it comes to finding our way is realizing that God creates the way. He's the one that's paving the path for us so that we can get a relationship with him. In verse 26, it says, Now the angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road, 
that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. God was letting Philip know, hey, I have a plan for you. I know you have salvation already, but I have a plan specifically for you to help out this person that you have never met. How many of us was reached out to somebody and invited to church by somebody you've never met? Oh, yeah, my mom reached out, so I met, I met her before, so I put my hand down. <laughs> but go ahead, put your hands up one more time. Let me see it one more time. That's many of us. Many of us was reached out to by a Philip or a Philippia, if it was a woman, right? Where someone, God put it on their heart to reach out to you, to create a way so that you could see God. That's amazing. And the amazing thing is that this is something that God has been doing since the very beginning of time is creating ways to see him. How did he start? Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve actually had fellowship with God in the garden. They actually got to be with him. But it didn't stop there. Abraham, the father of faith, God was like, okay, I need a people that I can have a relationship so that everyone that said that all nations one day could see me like this Ethiopian eunuch had the opportunity to see. Then Moses, he's like, hey, I'm going to give you the law, Moses. I'm going to give you my words to help give structure to our lives so that people can truly experience a life to the full. And he continues to pave ways. People in this room paving ways for others, for their neighbors, for their co-workers, for their family members, realizing that I'm not going to pave the way. I just need to point people to God because God is always creating a way. What is God creating for you this morning? What is he doing for you? Maybe it's something that you're reading in your quiet times that, man, I'm understanding the grace of God fuller than I ever have before. Maybe it's you're a freshman in college and you're like, man, with all these different things, all these different people, all these impressionable adults that I'm around, I see that they need God too. That even though we got juniors and seniors that's been in college for four, five, six, seven, eight, ten years, they still need God just like me as a freshman. They still need the way paved for them so that they can see God. But the awesome thing about God is that he always has a plan for us, amen? He always has something that he's, he's, he's stewing in the pot. You know, almost like some good gumbo sometimes. It, you know, you got to let it cook for a little while. And that's how God is. He's like, hey, I'm waiting for that perfect time so that when you reach out to that person, when you share some of your testimony, that they're going to be ready to receive it. But the thing that I love about this is that God creates the way, that we're just the vessel. Which brings me to the next point, looking at this scripture. Is that God creates the way, but we, he used us to illuminate the way. And that's amazing sometimes, because God is all-powerful, but who is he depending on to save the world or to reach out to the world? Us. John Maury. He's like, hey, John, you're going to be the one. You're going to be the one. I want you to take your man bun and I want you to go reach out to somebody. 
I want you to help somebody get to know me. Right? He's choosing us. He said, I'm going for broke with the people in this room and the people around this world that says that Jesus is Lord. And that's a special privilege, isn't it? That we have the opportunity to shine the light on the path that leads to God. We have the opportunity to illuminate. And, and it's not just for salvation. But even after salvation, we still need light on the path, right? That's right. We, we have to continue to get. I, I think about our relationship, my wife and I's relationship with Derek and Leanne. And how much they shine light in so many different areas of our life. With our marriage. And for, for me, being a husband, like Jesus is a husband to the church. Being a father, you know, Derek is, you know, he got, he has a daughter that's about to get married. And my daughter is nine and she don't even like boys. <laughs> so he can feel that gap that, that goes between not liking boys and getting married for me as we continue to go. He helps me so much in ministry and really loving people and serving people in different ways you can help connect to people so that they will want to listen, that they will want to follow the light that we have a chance to illuminate. My question for us, who is God using in your life right now to shine light? Not only the path to God, but to shine light into your life. So I want to camp out on here for a second. Because I mentioned we got light for salvation, but it doesn't stop in salvation because we still have things in our hearts and our minds that we have to work out right. We have, we have different things. We got different images. We got different hurts. We have different pains that we have to deal with that God uses the community to help us out with. You think about the eunuch. If Philip didn't come and have that conversation with him, the trajectory of his life would have been so much different. He would not have found out about Jesus, and Jesus is the way to God, right? He would not have found out about that. He would not have ended up being a beacon of hope to his countrymen in Ethiopia. And he would have been stuck in confusion. But because Philip listened to the Spirit of God, he was able to change the trajectory of not only the Ethiopian eunuch, but everyone that the Ethiopian came in contact with. That's because Philip brought light into his life. What is God trying to reveal in our lives right now? What is he trying to show you? Maybe that we still have idols in our life. Maybe our jobs are still above God. Maybe he's, he's, he's showing you that you're trying to find your comfort in things outside of me. Going and binging on Netflix. You know, James had talked about just overcoming pornography when he was a teen. That's real for us, right? Those are real things that God has to shine light in our lives so that we can overcome it and truly rejoice as we live life. 
Maybe it's relationships. Maybe you've been hurt so much in the past, and you're like, God, I cannot give my heart to another person anymore. I'm just going to give it to you. But you have to remember, God, through Jesus, is married to the church. So they're connected. I can't just have a relationship with Jesus and say, hey, I'm, hey, sorry, Sherman, we're not hanging up. Sorry, brother. Hey, Heather, I know you got awesome kids, but I've been hurt too much. I'm just going to hang out with my homeboy, Jesus. <laughs> right? But like, Jesus said, no, you got to hang out with my wife too. You got to be with the church. So I, I understand why Paul continues to write to the church is that, hey, love bears all things. Be patient. Continue to love. Forgive. Forgive quickly. Because that's something that we have to get used to. But being able to have people in our life to let us know that, hey, this is, this is something that's still in my heart. This is something I've been struggling with coming out to my small group. I've been struggling with coming out to Sunday service. I, I show up but I leave soon as it's over because I don't want to talk to this person. I want to talk to that person. I don't want to be hurt again. God put people in our life to, sh to shed light in those areas. It's just now allowing it to happen. Because what did the eunuch say? When Philip said, hey, do you understand what you're reading? Do you understand what's going on? You know, fast forward to us. Do you understand what's going on in your mind and your heart right now? And he was like, how can I? Please come up and give me more perspective. I truly believe if we have that heart, like the eunuch, that we let others illuminate what Jesus and what God is trying to say in our lives, we're going to have the same results where we're going to go away rejoicing because he's going to be able to exercise stuff out of our life that we've been holding on to. Amen? Let's make sure we let people illuminate the way forth. The next thing that I see out of this, in Acts 8.36, we see that he was baptized. So the next one, he was baptized into the way. It says, as they traveled along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, look, here's water. Why shouldn't I be baptized? I went back and looked at that Isaiah chapter 53. Do you, do you think it talked about baptism? It does not. Isaiah's like, hey, man, I, I don't, Nick, I don't know what baptism is. He knew what it was because they did it for the proselytes, but he didn't know what it was in comparison to Jesus. So Bless you. So Philip, he was able to make that connection of what was happening in the Old Testament in Isaiah and what Jesus represented. And he got baptized into the way. But my question for you, is, there, is, is it another way to find God besides through Jesus? What did Jesus say in John 14, 6? Jesus says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And I think we got the Dallas Cowboys. We got the season coming up pretty soon, right? You know, some love them, some don't. You don't have to raise your hand to represent, all right? <laughs> so when you go to a Cowboys game, you need a ticket, right? Yeah. 
And they have doors for you to go through to show your ticket. What if somebody told you, hey, David, you don't need a ticket. Just just go, go in through the back. <laughs> then you get to see the game, right? You're like, hey, you get to see the Cowboys hopefully win against some poor team, right? I think about that when it comes to religion today. Bless you. While we're doing broken Christianity, because there's so many voices out there saying that, hey, man, you don't have to go through Jesus how Jesus said. You just got to go, go through the back. You can still see the game. You can still hear about Jesus. You can still even have three or four different copies of the Bible on your phone. But is there an other way besides going through Jesus to make it to him? There's not. And the thing, that, the great thing about shining a light on the path is that we can help people see what Jesus' plan is for salvation. Not only for salvation, but as we continue to work out our salvation, as Philippians 2 says, until we get to meet Jesus one day. Because these are some of the things that I've heard over the years. Other ways to find Jesus, right? Some say this, and tell me if you ever heard this. Just believe. Daniel, all you got to do is believe. Daniels, all you got to do is believe. Just believe Jesus. As long as you believe in Jesus, then you're good. And the people who are preaching those things, they're preaching it in all genuineness. They're thinking that this is the way. It's to just believe. But then we read in, in Acts chapter 2, how, how did the people respond? Did they just believe? They repent. They were baptized. They went and bought a ticket and they went through the door as Jesus told them to do. They didn't try to sneak in through the back just to watch the game. They didn't try to fly a little helicopter above, you know, the Texas stadium and hope it is open so they can watch the game. No, they went through Jesus. They repented and they was baptized, as Donna said so eloquently. Thank you. But it's many people that say just believe. And what's the problem with just believing? If I'm just believing... You know, we, we, we know James talks about it that, hey, even the demons believe in Jesus, right? They all believe. I mean, I'm pretty sure Satan can out-preach me about Jesus because he knows him very well and been knowing him for a long time. But if I just believe and I have not repented and I have not been baptized, do I still have sins, the guilt of sin in my life? It's still there. Have I changed, have I even changed my path? If I've never repented towards God, then I haven't even changed my path yet. I haven't stopped what I'm doing and pointing towards God because I'm just believing in Jesus. And I think that's enough. But then if I'm not baptized, if I'm not, not baptized by faith, then as I mentioned earlier, I still have the sins, but I don't have the Holy Spirit. Because that's the awesome thing about baptism 
That's the awesome thing about faith. That's the awesome thing that Jesus did when he died on the cross for us is that he said, I'm going to take away every single one of your sins and I'm going to trade you straight up for the Holy Spirit. And you're going to have a piece of me that's going to walk with you for the rest of your life that's going to cause you to rejoice like the eunuch did. Isn't that awesome? I mean, that sounds like an awesome trade. Not for Jesus, but for us, right? I can trade my sin for the Holy Spirit. But if I never get the ticket, if I never go through the door, if I never go through the, the doors of Jesus Christ and just believe, I'm standing on the outside looking in. The other thing, the other path that I hear much is just be a good person. You're like, Jason Williams, just, just be a good person, man. He, Jesus, Jesus, that's all he want from him. Just be a good dude. Rita, just be a good, good lady. You know, you're awesome. Take care of your husband. Come here, worship God, and, and you're fine. What did Jesus say in Luke 18, verse 19? No one is good except my Father in heaven. So what does that mean for me and you, Tommy? That means we're not good, brother. That means we need that Holy Spirit. That means every single one of us outside of God, we need the Holy Spirit. So just being a good person is not going to be enough. And amen for that, right? Because if I ask each and every one of you guys, hey, what's a good person? You think I get the same answer? No. It's probably all across the board, anywhere from serving to to giving money away, to uh, treating the, the orphans and widows. I mean, it would be all kind of turning your homework on time, right? <laughs> it would be all kind of answers that we would get as far as being good. But I'm here to remind us is that it's only one way to Jesus, and that's something that we can stick our flag in, is that we can use the Word of God to help people to understand is that just belief is not enough. Just thinking that we're good people is not enough because Jesus already created the path to God. We just now need to illuminate it for our friends and family that just quite don't believe it yet. Amen? But the awesome thing about this, you know, it, it talks of, you know, my last point is that Philip, after illuminating the path for the eunuch, is that the eunuch went away rejoicing. And think about this. We got some Cowboys fans. We're rejoicing. You know, we all rejoice in the preseason, amen? Before the season starts, we're always rejoicing as Cowboys fans. But at the end of the season, this is the year. Deidre, this is the year. I don't know what the year for, but this is, this, this is the year, amen? We'll just leave it at that. It's the, the year, 2018. But the awesome thing about what we see here, what book were they reading? Was uh, the eunuch reading when Philip ran into him? Isaiah. And y'all remember what chapter I referenced? 53. I want you guys to turn there real quickly. I'm going to put this one up on the screen. Uh, but, you know, of course, they didn't have chapters of 53, right? They had a scroll. And so you had the eunuch reading this scroll, and he understood through Philip about Jesus by it. 
But as you continue to go down the scroll, I, I truly believe that, <coughs> excuse me, Philip ended up pointing this out to the eunuch that really helped him to rejoice. Let's look at this. This is Isaiah chapter 56. He says, this is what the Lord says. Maintain justice and do what is right. For my salvation is close at hand and my righteousness will soon be revealed. Blessed is the man who does this, the man who holds fast, who keeps the Sabbath without desecrating it and keeps his hand from doing evil. Let no foreigner, with this Ethiopian was a foreigner, who has bound himself to the Lord, the Lord will say, or the Lord says, the Lord will surely exclude me from his people. And let not any eunuch complain, I am only a dry tree. For this is what the Lord says. To the eunuchs who keep my Sabbath, who choose what pleases me and hold fast to my covenant, to them I will give within my temple and its walls a memorial and a name better than sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that will not be cut off. Now you think about this. I mean, he's, he's reading Isaiah chapter 53, and he's understanding that that scripture was talking about Jesus. And I can see as, as Philip was telling him about Jesus and using the scriptures, because all they had was the Old Testament, right? I could see him jumping down the scroll and say, hey, eunuch, you can't have children because of the vow that you've taken from God. But look what God has to say about you. That you, that still keep the Sabbath, that keeps the ways of God, you foreigner, you're going to be accepted by God. And the vow that you have to God will be more precious than sons and daughters. And you will have a name in my temple. We think about that. The eunuch took this trip hundreds of miles to go to Jerusalem to worship. And then he finds out through the scriptures that he is now accepted as a full citizen in God's kingdom. That would have straight out blew my mind if I was in the Ethiopian shoes. But the awesome thing is that because of Jesus and because of salvation, we can have our names written in heaven as well, amen. Because of the great ticket that we have through Jesus Christ is that we can go on our way rejoicing even through hardships. Even through transitions through my jobs, through my small groups, or even transitions with my family, transitions from different life stages, from high school to college or college to the, to the real world, quote unquote. That through all these different things, we can remember that if we have salvation in Jesus, that we have something to rejoice for, amen? We have something that no matter what the circumstances, Oh, that we can rejoice. Guys, we have an opportunity to help our friends, help our family. By our love, by our service, and by our pointing to Jesus, we can help them see the way, to find the way. And I have a few questions for us as we wrap up. Because the eunuch, he found the way. 
and he knew what to do because of what was preached. He rejoiced as he obeyed the call of the gospel preached by Philip. He repented. He was baptized. As I mentioned before, Satan is always looking to deceive us, to take our joy away from us. Always looking for a way to water down the gospel to keep you from housing the Holy Spirit in this temple. Have you repented of your sins? Friends that are visiting, family that are visiting. Have you responded to the gospel? Do you know what the gospel is? What's the good news? And what's the call of the gospel? And how should one that accepts the gospel properly respond? Have you been baptized for the forgiveness of your sins? Is Jesus' words the standard by which you live by? Are these, are these the things that characterize you and characterize your way? Because as we mentioned earlier, Isaiah 55 says, God's way are the way, right? So what's next for us? You know, we got three questions up here. Have you chosen God's way already? If you haven't, talk to the person who invited you to come out. So you can study out what is it? What, what is it truly to walk down the path to see Jesus, to experience Jesus and have Jesus be Lord in my life and Savior of my life? If you have already chosen God's way, are you wavering from the way that God has created for you? Are you still trying to figure out, okay, am I going to continue to walk the walk? Or am I going to be like James had mentioned earlier, like, hey, I'm not giving up because God has not given up on me. Then my last question, is there anything sweeter than God's way? It's nothing sweeter than being able to rejoice through all circumstances, through pain, through loss through grief, because of God and because of the hope that we have in Jesus, we can always rejoice. And let's take, take, a, take a lesson out of the Ethiopian eunuch. He listened to God's way. He let someone else teach him. He was baptized in his way and he went away rejoicing. And as we continue on this series, we, we're going to end next week with the concept of being set free. But let's marinate on finding your way, not just my independent way, but let your way be the way, which is through Jesus Christ. Amen. Thank you, guys.